been a quiet week in our hometown of San Anselmo, nestled against the edge of the Marin Hills. That's why people move to Marin County, because they want a quiet week. When folks are young and single or childless, they live in the city. In the city, instead of paying a mortgage, you eat out. The urban grit feels cosmopolitan and sophisticated, and you can't picture yourself living somewhere. It's easier to find a parking place than a good restaurant. San Francisco's urban is manageable compared to, say, Manhattan, where, believe it or not, rent is even higher, and L.A., where you have to drive for hours to get anywhere. That's the first thing Kim noticed when her family moved from the city to Marin after their second baby was born. In Marin, you have to get in the car every time you want to go somewhere. It was a big adjustment from walking or taking the bus everywhere. Marin was a big adjustment. First the kids, then the suburbs, and the golden retriever named Alfie, and then, to add insult to injury, a minivan with a car seat that she spent way too much time in. But that was years ago. Her kids had gone all the way through the San Anselmo Public Schools. Her son, Ben, had graduated from Drake, and her daughter, Hannah, had just one year to go. Kim felt practically like a native, which meant she couldn't pass San Quentin without wondering how they could waste all that great real estate. She considered it natural to keep her gym clothes on all day after her morning boot camp class. And she saw no contradiction in being a vegan, yoga-loving, spiritually-attuned corporate takeover artist. (laughs) But Kim was different from most folks in Marin in this way. She went to church. In a county where about 3% of the people attend religious services, she went to a pretty normal, pretty traditional Christian church. A church with organ music and a choir, with pews, not chairs, where people sing hymns from a hymnal, not a giant flat-screen TV. Now, getting her kids to go to church, that's another story. Want to go to church? Was usually met with rolled eyes. Rolled eyes seem to be her daughter Hannah's primary means of communication these days. To an adolescent, there is nothing in the world as embarrassing as a parent. I know, I know, we all thought we'd be hip forever, especially we baby boomers. Even using the word hip has its dangers because slang is basically shorthand, a shorthand way to let other people know how old you are. It goes without saying that anyone over 30, especially anyone with adolescent kids, must avoid using words and phrases like sick, epic fail, and dope. Although that had never been a danger for Kim, because when her kids used slang, she insisted that they translate into English, which, of course, they found unbearably embarrassing. Among other things, Hannah thought her mother's clothes were embarrassing. Hannah tried to get Kim to shop at Urban Outfitters at Town Center, but Kim said she refused to shop someplace that used a poster of Benjamin Franklin to advertise their President's Day sale. Then Hannah took her to anthropology at the village. But Kim said everything looked like something that you could pick up at Goodwill, except it cost $190 instead of $5. 
Besides, the models in the anthropology catalog always looked like they got dressed in the dark. Things aren't supposed to match anymore, Mom, Hannah told her mother. Which takes more time and effort, Kim retorted. Matching things or coming up with combinations that don't match, but in a way that's fashionable and not clueless. (laughs) Hannah rolled her eyes, and for the first time it occurred to Kim that sometimes when Hannah rolled her eyes, it meant that Kim had made her point. Kim commiserated with her pal, Terry, who also had a daughter in high school. I'm not allowed to sing, dance, laugh, or wear short skirts, nodded Terry. Having a teenage daughter is like living with the Taliban. (laughs) Someone once said, insanity is hereditary. You get it from your kids. Oh, I don't know. I got plenty of insanity from my parents, said Kim. Did I tell you what my dad did last month? He emailed my kids after Alfie died, you know, our golden retriever. Sorry to hear your dog died. LOL, Grandpa. He thought LOL meant lots of love, (laughs) not laugh out loud. I had to explain to the kids that his heart was in the right place. You know those ads you see for Gerber life insurance? Start saving now while your child's a baby? There ought to be a Gerber plan for psychotherapy. (laughs) Start saving now because shrinks will be over $200 by the time your kid needs it, and he will need it. Church seemed to be just one more reason for Kim's kids to be embarrassed about her. However, they did go to church with her and her husband on Easter. Ben was home from college. Hannah wore a skirt long enough that Kim wasn't embarrassed. And they all trundled off to church. We shouldn't be too hasty about doing away with guilt entirely. The Monday after Easter, Kim asked Hannah what she thought about the Easter service. Hannah rolled her eyes. No, I mean it, said Kim. Hannah took a breath, as if she'd been saving something up, as if she'd been waiting to say this for a long time. Hannah said she thought that some of the music was fine, but that Christianity was a man-made religion filled with ridiculous man-made stories that couldn't be proven scientifically, and that most Christians were closed-minded and judgmental and hypocritical, caring more about whether they get into heaven than what's happening to real live people in the real world. And on top of that, they're arrogant, thinking that they have the one true religion. And then Hannah finished, I know church means a lot to you and all, but I don't know how you can stand it. Sometimes, Kim began slowly, I think that instead of a cross on a necklace, I should wear a sign that says, I'm not that kind of Christian. Then Kim paused. Would it surprise you to know that I went through exactly the same thing about church when I was your age? And then Kim told Hannah how she hadn't gone to church from the time she was 17 until she was in her early 30s when Ben was born. I can recall two things about my childhood faith, Kim said. One is that I couldn't bring myself to believe all those miraculous stories they told me, and the other thing is that I couldn't wait to grow up so that I wouldn't have to go to church anymore. But if you go to church next Sunday, and I'm not trying to pressure you honest, you'll hear the story about Thomas. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus first appeared to the disciples. He didn't see Jesus alive again, so he needed proof. 
So I think we're all like Thomas. We want reassurance. We want reassurance that we're not being foolish and believing in something that can't be proven, something ridiculous, as I think the way you put it. Thomas's story is my story, Hannah. It's about faith and doubt woven together. It's about me struggling to believe what I can't see. Hannah frowned. But why even bother, Mom? Because when I come to church, I can see. Church changes the way I see things, said Kim. When you and Ben were little, I'd sit there, my arms aching from holding on to a squirmy little kid, my teeth clenched because that morning, again, neither of you had eaten a decent breakfast, and so you started whining halfway through the service. I was sure the people behind me were making a mental note not to sit behind us again. But you know what? They didn't avoid us the next week. In fact, almost every week, someone sitting nearby said something like, I love seeing your son smile, or your kids are the best part of my Sunday. And I realized if they could see my kids as gifts, not as loud, fidgeting distractions, then I could too. And I could see other people as gifts as well. Even the young mom one pew over, the one with the perfect hairdo and the perfectly behaved children. Or that family that's always the first to drop their kids at Sunday school and the last to pick them up, but who never, ever volunteer to help in any way. Over time, I could see how that mom with the perfect hair felt a little lost. I could see how that family that never helps with Sunday school was just overwhelmed. And what they needed most was to be welcomed in a place where no one expected anything of them. That's a really good story, Mom. Kim knew that Hannah meant it because there was no eye-rolling going on. But what does that have to do with me? Wow. Well, Hannah, here's what I know for sure, what I don't doubt. I had to reach all this in my own way. Thomas didn't get it until he saw for himself. He was in a community that helped him, but he had to see for himself. And I think that's everyone's story. Grandma and Grandpa couldn't make me see any more than I can make you see. I remember the time my parents took great pains to try to persuade me that the Rolling Stones couldn't hold a candle to the greats like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. You can imagine how well that conversation went. I think I need to tell Grandpa about the Stones' 50 and counting tour. That's perfect, Mom, because expecting me to like church is like expecting me to like the Rolling Stones, which I don't, by the way. What's Mick Jagger anyway? A hundred? Ew. Okay, fair enough. Kim thought to herself that the thing about doubts is they keep you from being smug. So, what do you think church should be like? She asked Hannah. Now we're talking, said Hannah. Kim didn't need a translation to know that Hannah really meant now you're listening. And so that is what she did. And that's all the news from San Anselmo, where everyone is spiritual, a few people are religious, and the Presbyterians strive to be holy. <laughs>